sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You now join us for the Financial Outlook for Private Investors, where I'm joined by Victoria Scholar, Head of Investment at Interactive Investor. Um, so, Victoria, we're going to really have to start talking about the spring statement from um, mm. the Chancellor, aren't we? Um, I mean, as far as I can tell, he seems to be sort of giving away with one hand and taking with the other and rather more taking than giving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there was a bit of a sense of, is that it at the end of it? Um, so there were some disappointments. Uh, we didn't get a windfall tax on oil and gas companies, for example, that was widely expected. Mm. And then some things that were expected didn't, did come through, like uh, the cut to fuel duty. But this was pretty much centre stage um, for UK investors uh, yesterday. It was the first mini budget that we've seen since 2019 because of all the COVID disruptions over the last two years. And of course, it comes at a very, very difficult time because of the cost of living crisis with food and energy prices on the rise. And on top of that, we've now got the war in Ukraine, which is creating further challenges, um, not least in terms of inflation, if we think about the economic picture, at least. Yes. Now, whenever the Chancellor gets to his feet, um, that morning we get figures from the OBR, figures which the Mm. Chancellor and the Treasury team, of course, have had a little bit earlier. So tell us what the latest forecasts are. Yeah, I think the sort of headlines from the OBR uh, forecast were that we had a downgrade to this year's growth figure. It's now expected to come in at 3.8%, so it's quite a big uh, drop. And then in terms of inflation, we saw quite a dramatic upgrade. That's now expected to hit 7.4% on average this year. And he says it's going to take until 2024 for inflation to come back under control. So that's quite a long time, you know, possibly Hmm. two, two and a half years before prices come back towards uh, more normal levels. And sort of chimes with what we heard from the Bank of England uh, last week, which also upgraded its inflation forecast. It's even more aggressive. It's projecting 8% uh, inflation uh, this year. But I think we could even see higher prices than that. And just anecdotally, you know, when we look in the supermarkets or at the mm. forecourts, when we fill up our tanks, it does feel as though there are even more dramatic price rises going on out there in certain sectors, at least. Yes, I mean, the war in Ukraine is is not really that long standing. So we're not really going to see many of the effects of that, apart from the on energy prices straight away, particularly not the agricultural um, effects. We had um, inflation figures this week, CPI of 6.2% and old-fashioned RPI probably before your time, but what people used to think was what actually uh, impacted people, the real level, 8.2%, not an official statistic Mm. anymore, but they still do calculate it. I mean, 8.2% is quite um, extraordinary. And if you look at producer prices, those are even more frightening. Companies, to some extent, have not been passing all of those on to to customers. So what difference then is this going to make? The Chancellor didn't really seem to tackle the cost of living much at all, did he? I mean, he still went through with the increase in national insurance, which many MPs, I think, um, had hoped he would not do. Yeah, I mean, in terms of what he's actually doing to tackle the cost of living crisis, it doesn't really feel like there was that much in there. I mean, one of the first things he talked about was the cut to fuel duty, which came in as expected, Mm. a cut of five pence per litre. You know, he said, look, this is the second cut in 20 years and it's going to be in place for 12 months. 
but that actually only brings down the cost of filling up an average uh, family 55 litre tank by £3.30. So it's not really going to go a long way to tackling uh, this major problem that uh, a lot of families are facing. And unfortunately, inflation is something that hits lower income uh, people and families harder. And of course, we have a particularly consumer driven economy in Britain, don't we? Something which is fine when consumers are feeling very flush, but I suspect will uh, not uh, be terribly uh, happy once people are actually really are feeling the effects. I mean, certainly when you fill up your car, now you do notice just how incredibly expensive it is. And as you say, you're noticing prices going up in the supermarket, but then you also point out, you just think, really, we're just beginning rather than seeing something that's going to go away. It's only a few months, isn't it, since the central banks, both here and in the United States, were saying that this was a purely transitory phase of inflation and it was going to go away very soon. Have they changed their tune now? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that a lot of last year there was that whole debate over inflation and whether it was permanent or transitory. And um, as time went on, more and more people were thinking, look, this doesn't look like it's going anywhere. I mean, the Fed's only just started to raise rates uh, in the last week. Um, The Bank of England's pretty much ahead of the pack in terms of uh, raising rates. And it's only done three small rate hikes. Um, So if you look at history and where inflation is and where interest rates are, interest rates are very, very low, given the inflation level that we have. So I personally think that central banks are behind the curve here. And the other thing is that when it comes to central bank policy, the inflation that we're seeing is supply side driven. It's coming from an energy price shock, mostly. Monetary policy is a demand side tool, tackles mortgages and loans. So it's difficult to see to what extent actually higher interest rates are going to really help. And of course, they work with a lag. They take about 18 months to filter through into the economy. So Bank of England really does have a very, very difficult job on its hands. It's trying to look into its crystal ball and figure out 18 months ahead where we will be. There's so many unknowns. Adding on top of all the inflation um, nervousness that we had at the start of the year is the war in Ukraine, which itself is highly inflationary. Mm. So we're just operating in a very uncertain environment, which has been challenging for central bank policymakers, for all of us, and the markets as well. Uh, Let's just pause for breath. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. You're listening to the Financial Outlook for Private Investors on Share Radio. I'm Simon Rose in conversation with a Victoria Scholar of Interactive Investor. Um, Victoria, all somewhat <laughs> depressing, isn't it? Um, the Chancellor has in the past said that he's you know, in favour of, of cutting taxes. Uh, did he? Well... I think what was interesting was that uh, he really, really did um, sort of lay out this commitment to wanting to be a chancellor who cuts tax. And he's been criticised for raising taxes um, in the last year. Obviously, he's got a lot he needs to pay for. We had huge spending from the government over the last few years on the furlough scheme, on the vaccination rollout and all sorts of other expenses related to the pandemic. So understandably, government spending has massively gone up. He's been required to increase taxes. You know, we were expecting this national insurance rise. That is still coming through, although it has uh, the, the threshold on the amount that people 
earned before paying national insurance has been slightly tweaked. Um, but in terms of his view on sort of taxes, I think that, as I mentioned at the beginning, there was this discussion about whether we were going to get a windfall tax on oil and gas companies. Mm. And, you know, that would have been an easy way to generate revenue. Shell and BP and others are generating ginormous revenues, ginormous profits at the moment on the back of this mad upswing in the commodities complex. And so that could have been an easy win there. But he really kind of um, laid out his plan to try to be um, a chancellor that cuts tax, really focusing on this long-term plan. He even went so far as to say that he wants to cut the basic rate of tax uh, for the first time in 60 years. But that's not now. He says he's going to do that before the end of his parliament in 2024. It'll be interesting to see whether he still is chancellor. <laughs> well, I know. Well, that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it'd be nice to be a politician and make promises you don't have to actually yeah. keep or that people may have forgotten in years' time. Well, look, let's, let's look at the market reaction yeah. to the um, spring statement. Um, so what did well, what did badly? And, and should investors you know, be contemplating any rejigging of their portfolio in the light of it? Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Simon, but the market reaction was extremely dull. <laughs> <laughs> the FTSE 100 barely budged, um, pretty much the same for the pound, um, and international markets largely ignored it. Um, I think where we were potentially expecting market reaction was in the oil and gas companies, if there was that windfall tax. Mm. And BP and Shell were at the top of the FTSE 100 in the morning. Um, it, it then wasn't announced and they remained there. Uh, so it feels as though these companies are being driven a lot more by what we're seeing within the commodity space than by what we're seeing um, from the government. Hmm. So really, for investors then, should really just take heed from the market and just shrug their shoulders and continue as they were before. I mean, the uncertainties really are coming, I suppose, more than anything else now from Ukraine and from inflation, which was already, of course, burgeoning before um, the invasion of Ukraine. Um, yeah. Inflation I mean, I is that... not an easy thing to protect yourself against, is it? I mean, I mean you're so young, you don't remember the last <laughs> time inflation really was quite severe. But I, mean, I can still recall even as a child in the, in the 70s just how difficult things were. Yeah, and I think that's the challenge, really, because um, you know, if you leave your money in the bank, interest rates are still near record lows. Um, and even though they are going up, inflation is rising faster. So your real return on your investment in a bank is still going down. So that sort of creates the investment opportunity. But the markets are very, very jittery. Um, after the COVID-driven sell-off in 2020, we had this indiscriminate upswing for over a year and a half, where most sectors were going up. And it was a pretty easy market to invest in, in hindsight. <laughs> Yes. Um, but <laughs> most, most, most markets are quite easy to invest in with hindsight. I made a fortune with hindsight. Yes. <laughs> Compared to this year, at least, yeah. when we're seeing massive volatility. But I mean, some of the sectors that have been doing well have been the miners underpinned by this upswing in commodities. Oil and gas companies have been doing well. And banks have been doing OK as well in anticipation of mm. uh, this shift from monetary accommodation to monetary tightening. Uh, so I'd say this is really a stock pickers market at the moment. And you need to tread carefully, essentially. 
Okay, Victoria, thank you very much indeed. I've been in conversation with Victoria Scholar, Head of Investment at Interactive Investor. Victoria, thank you. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.